From the Hopeful Studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for an encore episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinks, You Bet Your Garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Are things going wrong with your tomatoes? Are you wondering what maybe you could have done wrong? Well, in this episode, recorded earlier this season, we'll go over the proper ways to plant and care for your tomatoes so that you don't make the same mistake again next year. And of course, we'll take your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and seriously solidified salutations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you having tons of tomatoes in 2021, right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners, school bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to an all new episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, once again, having been able to sneak into the studio when nobody is watching and bring you vital information in this time of crisis. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to plant tomatoes, ladies and gentlemen. And I will tell you exactly how to do that later on in the show. In the meantime, we're going to try to take that heap and helping at 833-727-9588. Mary, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking. And where is, Ma- where is Mary feeling good? Uh, McCungie, Pennsylvania. Oh, McCungie now. Say now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fine place to be now. They got the institute there and everything now. All right. What can we yes, do for Mary in McCungie? Well, there's been years since um, the yard and the garden and have been taken care of. And I'm just wondering what I can start doing now to get it ready for spring. Um, there's a lot of overgrowth, the grass, really a lot of crabgrass, a lot of clover, um, not looking the way I would like it. So um, finally this year, I'm planning on really getting out there and getting to it. Also, um, we had RCN come in with and put cable down, and they really, uh, there's a blue spruce, and they kind of cut off the bottom of it and cut a hole, making a way to go to the back of the house in the blue spruce. Okay, now, wait a minute. Um, You're in McCungie, PA. RCN is a local cable network. Right. Are you saying they run the cable above ground or underground? Underground. And what part of the tree did they sever? Roots? The, The bottom branches. Oh, so that they didn't... About four like, or five feet up. Oh, my goodness. Did they... Yes. Did they tell you that they were going to do this? Nope. No, I wasn't even here when they ran the cable line, and I come home and see a hole in the 
loose screws. You should have got a dish antenna. <laughs> well, I hope you yelled at them. Yes. And yes. what what was the response? Uh, the response was they didn't know what they could do for me. Um, so I've contacted. I, I thought, well, I would ask you what would be the best thing. They can to do, buy you. They, they can buy you a new you. tree and pay yep. to have it planted. They owe you that. Yeah. The, the fiends. <laughs> I'll say. Now you're. I was so upset. I couldn't believe it when I pulled in. I thought, "Gee, the tree doesn't look right." No. There's, oh, there's a hole there. Well, there's, there's, oh, there's not a hole there. I mean. No, no, there's a hole to go to the back of the house. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but how tall was the tree to start with, or how tall um, is the tree? Is it a big it's tree? About thirty or forty feet. Okay, so I'm going to guess that the bottom branches might have been browning anyway? Yes. And so is, does it look horrible, or is it was it just a shock to you? It looks bad. Okay, because I have um, a white oak outside my house, and it doesn't get enough sun, and the power company keeps topping it. Um, and I've cut off the lower branches, but I love having you know the middle part in there. So, I mean, it's not, your tree is not going to die. Okay, that's what I was afraid of. Okay. And what I'm going to suggest is you try to make this deliberate. Maybe get some nice planters and surround the tree with the planters, at least in front of it. And I presume the area is very shady because of the tree. Yes. And then put in begonias, impatiens. I mean, if you wanted height to cover the damage, you could actually yes. install hostas in, um, in containers, because hostas can't be killed. They will survive the winter in adequately uh -huh. large Great. containers, and they, okay. would give you, they would give you height. And, you know, the seed pods persist over the winter time. So, you know, it would, it would look good most of the time. Oh wow, that sounds great. Yeah, because you don't want yeah. you don't want to take down a thirty foot tree that's near your house. No. Because you, no. now you're if you if you don't get rid if you get rid of the stump, you're messing with the foundation and everything like that. Right. Um, okay, so that's the tree out of the way. Now, when you talk about your yard and clover and crabgrass, you're talking about your lawn. Yes. Okay. Yes. The, the time to work on. Uh, a cool season lawn, fescue or bluegrass, is not in the spring. Um, re really, you, um, if you want to redo your lawn, and I presume, if, you know, is it a good size? You know, how much yes, lawn are is. we talking about? Because what, what you're going to need to do probably is pay somebody, um, well, first you would scalp and, you know, starting in July you would scalp what's there down to the ground. This is the time when you want to see dirt blowing out the back of the mower. And okay. then I would suggest you pay somebody to come in and till everything up, level it out, rake away as much of the green as you can, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. Um, and then again, have somebody bring a big load of compost or mushroom soil or quality topsoil, spread that over top of the cleared area 
sow fresh seed in that sometime between August 15th and September 15th, and you will have a perfect bulletproof lawn. You can't, oh, you can't sow grass seed in the spring. The soil is too cold for good germination. And then summer comes in, and these cool season grasses can't take it. But if you sow in late August, the soil is beautifully warm. The grass germinates instantly. But then as we progress through the end of August and September and October, the weather's getting cooler, which these cool season grasses depend on. And by the time you get around to summertime, which stresses these grasses, your lawn will be a year old. Oh, uh, right. So the good news is you don't right. have to do anything right. in the spring. spring yes. <laughs> Just get those planters out there. And yes. actually, I, I? I think the planters going around the tree, again, at least in the front of the tree, is going to be a great idea. Um, the, yes. The bigger the planters, the better this is going to look. Fill them halfway with potting soil and good quality topsoil or compost. Uh, don't, yes. Don't use any of your regular soil. And then, you know, go crazy looking at, um, uh, at shade-loving plants. You know, maybe you can mix some begonias in there for low color and the hostas for height and those beautiful flowers in late summer. Yes, yes, sounds great. Can I start pruning now? No. Or is it too? No. no. What you want to okay. do is you want to okay. wait until the, until the cold weather is over because there okay. have been some just absolutely gorgeous days where it hits 70 degrees and people get bored and they go out with the pruners. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of doing. <laughs> forgetting that we're still going to have freezing cold temperatures. Pruning always stimulates growth, especially okay. pruning on a warm day in the winter. And then that new growth will freeze solid um, when we still get those cold snaps. So right. just, just wait until, you know, it's kind of tomato planting time. That's the perfect time to prune anything except spring blooming plants. If you've got azaleas, rhododendrons, lilacs, let them bloom and then prune them immediately after, uh, after blooming. But let the roses and stuff go for a little while. I know you're bored. I know it doesn't yeah. look nice, but you know, yeah. it, it's much better to wait. Okay, sounds great. All that right, Mary. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye. Sue, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Good morning. Or good afternoon or good evening. Lord knows when this show will air if they let uh, it on the air. So how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. It's cold and freezing outside. Where are you, I'm Sue? Grumpy. Eugene, Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was up that way not long ago. All right, what can we do for Sue in Oregon? Well, I started listening to your show a few weeks ago when I found it, and you've um, ended up costing me some money because good. I keep visiting gardening sites and buying new plants. Good, good. So I'm putting in a new, uh, raised bed outside. Excellent. Um, since I since I bought some um, pollinator um, plants mm -hmm. from one of your very good for suppliers. you, right? So. My husband, a couple of days ago, one of the guys at work um, borrowed the trailer and got some of the really good soil 
from topsoil from one of our um, garden suppliers. Right. And I told him, just fill a trailer up. I'll take whatever he doesn't use. Right. So the trailer showed up at home, and my darling husband started filling up my pots that I had some extra pots. And mm-hmm. this is great. And then I wandered along after him and stuck my hand in and started planting bulbs. And it was 20 degrees hotter than the ambient temperature. So and the, I'm looking the, at quote, it and soil, saying, the quote soil was warm. Very warm. Well, oh, okay. So I, di- I didn't get burned, but I did. <laughs> well, that's it. That's a matter of opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so, no. I did. I did some research that night after I sent you the first email, and they sell a soil topsoil for um, garden beds, raised beds. That's got a lot of compost in it. Yes, exactly. And the compost wasn't quite finished. Um, and that's very common in a climate like yours, where sometimes it takes the compost, even in big windrows, a, a couple of extra weeks or so. Um, but I don't think it's, uh, and you, the bulbs you planted are summer bulbs, right? Yes, day lilies and stuff. Okay, good. Now, what are you going to put in the raised bed? Oh, I'd have to go look at the list. I bought the a pollinator garden that says it does it'll take a five by eight space okay and did you buy plants or seeds um mostly plants i think they haven't gotten here yet okay um i would fill i would fill the bed as quickly as possible so that'll help it cool off with uh with plants i would plant in it right away if uh if you bought any seeds for uh, wildflowers or pollinator flowers, I would wait two weeks before I planted the seeds there because seeds are going to be much more sensitive to temperature changes than the uh, perennials. But there's also the issue for your perennials that this is not a bad thing. As you say, you're still experiencing very cold weather. As we tape this show, I guess we're about halfway through April, three-quarters of the way through April. We have frost predicted over the next couple of nights. So putting perennials into, it almost sounds like the old French hotbed technique, where the bottom of your raised bed would be fresh horse manure with a big layer of topsoil on top but it would warm the topsoil and help tender plants get through cool nights. So I think there's a benefit there, but just don't plant seeds in it till it cools down a little bit more. Okay. Cool. All right? I feel I feel a lot more optimistic. Thank you. I was I think it I may feeling... Yeah, I think it may be a positive thing actually. Awesome. All right. I feel better. All right. Good luck now, to you, Sue. Now we just need to finish the raised bed. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always something to finish. Well, we did half of it last night. So. Okay, that's good. No, you should always split up uh, physical work like that. Oi, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, you, uh, you stay warm and you stay safe, okay? Thank you much. Bye-bye. Thanks for the advice. Bye. My pleasure. Two little bugs in a box 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 in
little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. One little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug, little bug. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that this is our final summer vacation repeat. We will return with all new shows next week, whether we like it or not. I'm Mike McGrath, and right now I'm still swimming in the ocean, and I'm only getting out of the water because my lips are blue, and it isn't because I've been eating raspberry water ice. Anyway, you're listening to a classic episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in beautiful Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute, whose mobile market, a traveling organic farm stand, is being held at the Allentown YMCA on 15th Street every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Visitors can buy organic produce, cheeses, bread, and more. SNAP and other benefits accepted. Learn more about the mobile market and view more of its weekly locations at RodaleInstitute.org. Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to a fabulous encore episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, here only in my astral form while I stroll a boardwalk somewhere. But we have a great question of the week for you, especially if you didn't hear it the first time around. Maybe even more important now that your tomatoes are dying because we'll turn you on to what you did wrong. Plus, of course, your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Lisa, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh, we'll take care of that right away, Lisa. It's great to talk to you. Where are you? Um, I live in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. All right. What can we do for Lisa in Jim Thorpe? Yes. So I work at a nursing home and rehabilitation center, and we have this courtyard, and it's my first summer. I work in activities, and it's the first summer that I'll be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit of a gardener, so I'm going to be setting up a garden. Excellent. But I would like to focus on a butterfly garden, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of questions. <laughs> okay. Um, so my first question is, I guess I know monarchs are from this area because I've seen them, but I didn't know, I guess, certain breeds of butterflies that are in this area and then what foods or what I should be planting in the garden, like for flowers that, you know, would attract them. Uh, I know things like milkweed is good for 
monarchs, but then I heard that milkweed actually doesn't blossom until a year later okay. after you plant it. Okay, let's get started with the monarchs. Yeah. Um, milkweed is not a flowering plant for oh, the monarch. Okay. The adult monarchs lay their eggs exclusively on milkweed plants. So oh. if your milkweed looks chewed up and starts to disappear, you're doing great. And you're going to soon see uh, very distinctive caterpillars and then chrysalises and, yeah. and then adults. The adults, in terms of pollen and nectar plant, need uh, a plant called tithonia, otherwise okay. known as Mexican sunflower. It is a beautiful plant, uh, blooms like crazy. The blooms do look quite a bit like sunflowers, but oh, they, okay. they have amazingly nutritious pollen and nectar so that the adult monarchs, as they're beginning their migration in late summer, will come to these plants that literally fatten up. Because yeah. as you probably know, they have to fly all the way down to Mexico. Mm -hmm. And they need a good nutritious food to do that. So Tithonia um, will, will bloom very early in the season. Okay. The blooms are beautiful. Um, make sure you deadhead them, that is prune off the, the spent flowers, okay. and that'll keep them blooming, and then you'll see monarchs at the end of the season. And again, if you want to be really educational about this as well, yes, you want to plant some milkweed, um, and that's called a, a host plant, because okay. that's what the, uh, the babies will eat. In terms of um, attracting butterflies in general, um, an old friend of mine who breeds butterflies said there's three plants that are guaranteed to attract butterflies, and that's butterfly bush, butterfly bush, and butterfly bush. Okay. So, you know, some people don't like to plant it because it can become invasive, but mm. you'll be lousy with butterflies. Um, also, if you plant things like dill and fennel, and there are a couple other plants that swallowtails absolutely okay. love, both as host plants for the babies and then as pollen and nectar plants for the adults. But there's more involved than just plantings. Um, first of all, don't have any kind of bird feeders or any kind of nesting boxes, or really anything in your butterfly garden that okay. attracts birds. Because Can it be in the area? Because we do have some bird feeders. Take them down. Uh, in the summertime, okay. you shouldn't be yeah. feeding birds. Okay. But the birds will prey on the caterpillars. Oh, And, okay. yeah, you'll come out one day to find 100 wings on the ground, which is okay. very disturbing. In addition... Uh, butterflies, male butterflies, love to come to little mud puddles. So don't be afraid uh, to play in the mud, so to speak. Yeah. Male butterflies would love to come to mud puddles, especially if you put a teaspoon or two of salt okay. into the mud puddle. They love to come to that. Um, in addition, you can go online and, and see all these other 
great uh, both host plants and pollen and nectar plants, but they're two different things, you know, okay. and, but they're both attractive. And again, with the milkweed, very distinctive caterpillars, very distinctive chrysalises. Um, you should probably go to a website called Monarch Watch, okay. W-A-T-C-H, and there's a lot of information about helping these amazing creatures thrive. And if you get really good at it, you might get into a tagging program uh, mm. where you can tag these creatures and then um, they can be identified when uh, they're collected down in Mexico. Now, I had a question because I saw on Amazon they sell these butterfly and hummingbird seed bags. And it, I looked at some of the seed names. They said, like, Forget-Me-Not was one of them. Is that something that you would recommend? I would not. I would not. Okay. I would go to your local garden center, your local independent garden center, not yeah. a big box store, and see what they have. You okay. don't you don't want a plant selection that might be for the West Coast or New England. I mean, you want to get plants that are preferably native and local. Yeah, okay. I don't like these seed mixes being sold nationally. Okay. Could, uh, and what about the hummingbird like butterfly mix? Is that a good idea? You're not going to get a lot of hummingbirds where you are. You're really yeah. only going to get one species. And, okay. you know, hummingbirds are easy. It is because the flowers that they come to can be invasive. Um, it probably is a better idea to have hummingbird feeders up. Yeah. And mm -hmm. hummingbirds are attracted by three things. The color red, the color red, and the color red. Okay. You want red feeders. And believe it or not, if you can tie red ribbons near the feeders and everything, the more red you have, the more hummingbirds will come to it. Now, there is one plant that you can plant um, for hummingbirds that is both delightful for humans and great for the hummingbirds, and that's called the scarlet runner bean. Now, okay. these are pole beans, which means they need a lot of support and they grow very tall. So, but you can trellis them up and down again, and the flowers are beautiful. They're big, red flowers, tubular flowers, the kind that hummingbirds love. Okay. And when the flowers drop off, they're replaced first um, by a, quote, string bean, a green bean. And if you leave that bean on the vine, it turns more into like a lima bean. And if you let the last ones stay on uh, the vines until the end of the season and they turn brown, then you harvest dried beans from them that are absolutely beautiful. They're black with speckled purple all oh, throughout wow. them. Oh, yeah. Scarlet runner beans. They're an heirloom variety. Make sure you have a good bean trellis. Um, but this is things you can eat fresh off the vine. They can be used in the kitchen. Uh, yeah. Picking the, the string bean-like types when they're young will keep the plant producing. But make sure you leave pods on at the end of the season because these beans are beautiful. There are even people who, you know, harvest the beans, let them dry further, and make jewelry out of them. Oh, wow. And then I've also seen, like, the track the butterflies 
people put out like a plate with sliced oranges. Yeah. That's yeah, sweet. you can. Is that, yeah. Yeah, you can absolutely do that. That'll also, um, uh, well, that'll actually bring cardinals in and they'll eat your butterflies. So. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I, I would keep away from, I would keep away from anything that might attract birds. But you got, plen okay. you got plenty to do now. Yeah, and then when is a good time, like end of May to... Um, yes. So I heard different things from milkweed. Somebody said you should actually plant it in November, and it has to go through a frost. Well, you, I don't know. No. Well, at milkweed seed, again, go to Monarch Watch and yeah. read up, because milkweed can be difficult to germinate, but I would recommend you buy plants. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll send you a picture if it turns out well. All right. Good luck to you. Lou, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, good afternoon, Mike. Uh, how you doing today? I am just Ducky. Thanks for asking, <laughs> Lou. How are you? And Ducky is wearing, still wearing his protective gear. We're still... Well, that's important. You know, you don't want to quack up. Oh, <laughs> catch me, mateys. I'm hit. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> and where is Lou? Well, I live in Bethlehem Township toward Easton, Pennsylvania. Okay, so you're in the neighborhood. Yes, sir, down the road. All mm -hmm. right. What can we do for Lou just outside of Bethlehem? Well, uh, you know, uh, last, well, maybe around October, I saw, felt some loose grass in my lawn and was yanking on it. It was a little brown, and, of course, I rolling it up like carpet, and, uh, and there they were, the little critter grubs. Yep. And I have left big, big patches, and I just had dirt. I didn't do anything at the time. So now I'm wondering when to treat for the grubs uh, and how soon afterward can I plant grass seed? And well, what can I put down, maybe a milky spore or, or whatever? Well, you missed your windows. Uh, oh. As soon as you saw those grubs, you should have spread milky spore disease because it's mm -hmm. obvious that they were feeding or Gardens Alive has a brand new uh, strain of BT. Uh, I think Grub Away, Grub Be Gone, something like that. But it's uh -huh. it, very effective against beetle grubs. And you could also, if you wanted to have fun, release beneficial nematodes into the soil. They hunt the grubs down like little panthers and eat them. Mm -hmm. um, but the best time to do all those things in the fall now, milky spore disease has no effect in the spring, even though they're selling it in garden centers. It will right. not work in the spring because the, the grubs do not feed in the spring. They only feed in the fall. So okay. you could use uh, that new form of BT from Gardens Alive. Again, I'm not sure exactly what the name is, but if you go to their website and type in grubs, It'll be the first thing that comes up. Now, did you have a lot of Japanese beetle problems in the summer? Yes. See, the life cycle is uh, the female beetles feed on your roses. And, of course, they're copulating as they're doing it, which makes it uh, even more offensive. And then the females uh, look for bare spots in your lawn, weak spots, or really wet areas and they lay their eggs right under the soil line, and those eggs develop into what are called instars, which is sequential developments of a little grub growing into a big grub. And when they get to be close to full size, they chow down on the roots of the lawn. That's when they're most vulnerable, because they're close to the surface of the soil, and they're feeding. 
So that's when they will also uh, ingest the milky spore powder, the BT, anything like that. That's also when they're the most vulnerable to beneficial nematodes. Then when they're fat and happy, they drop down below the frost line. And then when they sense that, you know, spring is turning into summer, they work their way up through the soil, but they don't feed now. And then they emerge from the lawn as the armored adults. And then the cycle repeats itself. Now, for the first time ever, there is a specific treatment for adult beetles. And that is also from Gardens Alive. And I'll never forget the name of this one because they call it beetle juice. So don't stutter if you order it on the phone, you know, right. or you could be in Michael Keaton will be popping up in yeah, your right. living room. Uh, but this is the kind of the same BT, except the one for grubs is granular. The one for the adult beetles is liquid. But if you spray it on your roses at the first sign of a Japanese beetle, it'll kill them. And it won't harm anything else in your environment. So this is that beetle juice that would be right for us to spray on the roses. Is this uh, as they're budding or after they're in bloom? Or no, 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 no. You don't want to waste any of these products, so you wait till you see the first beetle. I see. Matter of fact, well, one of the things I advise people is to buy a single Japanese beetle trap, check it every day, and when you see the first beetle in the trap, take the trap down and hide it, but then start spraying the roses. Hmm. Well, they say the best place to put a, a Japanese beetle trap is in your neighbor's yard. That's exactly right. But we're using it the way farmers use traps to monitor the population. I see. So then actually there's really not – can I just put the grass seed down and then in the uh, fall or – Yes. No, not even, in the, not even in the fall, late August in our uh, neck of the woods. To put the uh, milky spore. Uh, no, you asked about grass seed. Right, okay, yes, the grass seed, yes. And then and, the milky spore after? Yeah, yeah, you can put them down at the same time. They won't affect each other. Oh, okay, I see. All right, man? Okay, thanks a lot. Hey, you want a quick spring riddle? All right. All right. What does everyone have on their face? Nose. Tulips. Oh, 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 what do you think? What do you think, organic robot? Danger, danger, Will Robinson. My sensors indicate an intruder is present. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. All right, Lou, get out of here. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that this is our final summer repeat. We will return with all new shows next week, <sighs> whether we like it or not. I'm still ocean swimming, Mike McGrath, and I'm only getting out of the water because prunes are jealous of my fingers. But don't go telling yourself off just yet, because we'll be right back to reveal what's going wrong with your tomatoes and take more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to an encore episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. 
Welcome back to an encore episode of You Bet Your Garden, recorded earlier this season at the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll be repeating valuable information from back at tomato planting time so you can figure out all the things you did wrong. Plus your phone calls, but please don't call the number now. Call it next week when we're back from vacation. Uh, 833-727-9588. Keith, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being had, Keith. Where are you, man? I'm in Gilbertsville, Pennsylvania. No, Gilbertsville. Gilbertsville. I'm trying to decide if that's in the Lehigh Valley, Lancaster, in between... It's uh, in the northwest corner of Montgomery County, between Pottstown and Boyertown. Okay, well, that's almost Lehigh County. Almost. Yeah, almost. You wish, right? You aspire <laughs> to be in Lehigh County. All right, what can we do for you, man? So I have an, a little evergreen tree in my front yard, and the top of it is is uh, ugly brown color. that looks like not so happy. You sent me an email and, uh, just the other I day. Did with a picture of this tree, and I asked you if you wanted to be on the show. Um, and at some point, my, my technical guys will show a picture of your tree. <laughs> so um, tell me about the tree. Did you plant it? How long has it been in the ground? I, I can't tell for sure. It was here when we moved here just under four years ago, mm -hmm. and up until... Up until the middle of the winter, it was happy and healthy, and in the middle of the winter, it started at the very tip, Yeah, and the brown is moving down slowly but surely. We can't blame it on last winter, man, because it was so mild. No, it's, uh, I don't know what it is. And um, so is it, I, I, I forget, I mean, I looked at the picture really briefly, and I had two ideas. Um, is it growing out of a lawn? No, it's in a bed at the edge of the lawn. Okay, is the lawn treated, however? Uh, no, it just gets uh, it gets the corn gluten meal, and that's about it. Excellent, excellent. Um, and what kind of a bed is it in? What's is it mulched? Uh, not under the tree, it's not. Okay. So anyway, I saw this brown area, and if I remember correctly, the brown area is kind of pointing off at an angle. It's not the total straight-up tip of the tree? Yeah, well, it's the tip and then the, then the bottom of it's at an angle right now. Yeah. So there's there's two possibilities here. One, well, the, the bad news, actually, is that, you know, the growing tip is the life of the tree. And that's the most important part. And if I remember your email correctly, you were afraid of pruning off the bad stuff and ruining the look of the tree. Right. Yeah. Well, you got no choice, pal. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> cut it off. I mean, if only so your neighbors don't think you're spreading the plague. <laughs> now, there are two possibilities. One is that this was a natural die-off for no good reason. You know, um, there are insects that can get into these trees. There is a disease called needle cast. But with needle cast, the needles turn yellow first. And it sounds like yours just turned brown right away. 
Yeah, I never noticed any yellowing. Okay. So there is another possibility, and again, it was the angle of the tree that made me think of this. There is a condition known as witch's broom. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but it's either caused by a virus or some kind of a mite. And what happens is a completely different type of plant starts growing out of a normal tree. Um, It's very similar to the rose rosette virus, where all of a sudden a new growth looks like a different plant, looks more like a raspberry cane. Um, And witch's broom is an interesting condition. Um, A lot of times, if you can get up, how tall is this thing? About six foot. Oh, okay. So can of corn for you to get up there. Yeah. So you're going to get up there and you're going to examine it. And then you're going to take your pruders and you're going to cut below the area of change. You know, don't leave any part that is attached to the brown. You want to cut into healthy green tissue and get all of that brown stuff out of there. And then this is also the time of year where you can now stand back and take a look at what you got now. And with that in mind, maybe do some selective pruning around the top to make it look more normal. And okay. if, if the dead growth looks radically different than the nice green growth, then you had an attack of witch's broom, and hopefully that's it. The secret to either way, whether it's a mite or a virus or whatever, whenever you prune off a possibly diseased area, you don't have to... Uh, clean your pruners with bleach or anything awful like that. Just cut into healthy tissue so that the infection never touches the pruners. And then do what you can to make it look decent. See if the condition comes back. Hopefully it won't. And then over the next couple of springs, you can shape this puppy right back into something that looks perfect. Okay. That sounds great. All right, man. All right. All right. You take care. You be safe, wash your hands, stay at home. You know the riff. All the rest. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it. All right. As promised, it is time for the question of the week. But first, an important note. While we were picking shows to repeat for our summer vacation, I thought this one was appropriate for peak tomato season, even though it's about tomato planting time as it will help you diagnose any tomato troubles you may be having so that you can avoid them next year. So without further ado, or achoo, if your allergies are acting up like mine, here's the question of the week. All right, it is time for the question of the week, which is not a question this week. It's bullet points for all you tomato planters to be, or you put them in the ground already and you're going to find out what you did wrong. But these are my top tips for tomato success, and they're going to be presented to you in the form of bullet points. So we're going to move fast, kids, to prevent disease. Always plant your tomatoes where they'll get morning sun so that their drama queen leaves dry out promptly. Plant your tomatoes where they'll get six to eight hours of sun a day. Do not plant your tomatoes exactly where tomatoes have grown for the previous several years, or they will fall prey to a wilt that is ubiquitous in all soils. You can use a given spot for two years in a row, and you can try for three if you're a gambler. 
After that, the plants must be moved at least three feet away from that first spot. The good news is that you can reuse the original spot after three seasons have passed without tomatoes, and that spot should remain safe for another two years. Now, tomatoes grow auxiliary roots along their buried stem, and so should be planted deeply. Here's the plan. Dig a hole that's about three quarters as deep as the plant is tall, pull off all the bottom leaves, drop the plant into the hole and adjust it as necessary so the three to four inches of the plant is above the soil line to be. Now, to prevent blossom end rot, which is essentially a calcium deficiency, place the dried crushed shells of a dozen eggs right over top of the root ball. If you don't have eggshells, add a granulated organic fertilizer designed for use on tomatoes right on top of the root ball. Organic tomato-specific fertilizers contain a lot of calcium. Examples include tomato tone from Espoma and tomatoes alive from Gardens Alive. If you don't provide added calcium, there is a good chance your tomatoes will turn black on the bottom and rot out just as they are ripening up. Now, fill the hole back up with the lousy soil you removed. Do not improve the soil in the planting hole. Other than the calcium, do not improve the soil in the planting hole. Spread two inches of compost around the newly installed plant. That's going to improve the soil. Do not touch the stem with the compost, but do go out as least. As least? I wrote it that way. Look, it says as least. It must be right. Ooh. Do not touch the stem, but do go out at least a foot all around. Now, when fully grown, your little bitty baby plant will have a footprint of a circle that's about a two-foot diameter. Allow for this space and another foot all around for airflow. Cram your plants together, and a wet summer will ruin your harvest. Now, what kind of plants do you have? Determinant varieties are bred to stay compact. They may have a designation like patio, bush, good for containers, and will have a relatively short days to maturity rating of anywhere from 50 to 70. These are often, but not always, hybrid varieties. They generally stop growing at around four to five feet tall, produce their fruits fairly early in the season, and are the best choice for small space or container gardens. Determinant varieties can be kept upright with a standard old-school tomato cage or similar structure. Now, indeterminate varieties are the opposite of compact. These are true vining plants that grow quickly until frost finally shuts them down. At full maturity, the vines will be anywhere from 10 to 14 feet long and will be laden with 40 or more pounds of fruit, meaning they need strong support. These varieties have long days to maturity ratings, typically 80 to 100 days, and may not produce ripe fruits until late August in most regions. But that fruit will be worth waiting for, as these are the big, colorful beefsteak varieties with the absolute best flavor. Okay, days to maturity. Most seed packets or plant tags should have a number that they call days to maturity or days to harvest. This number starts ticking when you put healthy six to eight week old transplants into warm soil when the nights are already in the 50s. So an early tomato with a DTM of 60 days would produce ripe fruit 
about two months after planting. A big honking heirloom with a DTM of 90 days would produce its first fruit about three months after planting. So to get a continuous supply of tomatoes, plant several varieties with different DTMs, say of 50 to 60 for starts and a few rated 65 to 80. But if you have a long enough season, save space for a few that kiss or go past 90 days. These headliners will be the tastiest ones of the season. Okay, here's how to make a tomato cage for these big, rangy, indeterminate varieties. Go to a home or hardware store or garden center and buy a roll of welded wire fencing. This may be called animal wire, rabbit wire, or turkey wire, not chicken wire, which is too flimsy. Buy the six-foot-high version if you're tall, five feet if you're not. Lay it out in your driveway and use wire cutters to take off sections of six linear feet each, cutting one box in and one box out as you go so that you will have attached metal twist ties ready to go. To do this, form it into a cylinder with those twist ties and center it over your baby plant. Then bang two lengths of rebar through the sides of the cage to give it support. Do not stake the plant, just the cage. As the vine grows, it'll trail around the inside of the cage rather than just grow straight up. So a five or six foot tall cage should be able to contain a 12 foot long vine. Finally, do not rush the season. Tomatoes are tropical plants and have no sense of humor about temperatures in the 30s. Wait till nights are reliably in the 50s or at least the high 40s to plant. Well, that sure was a lot of very specific information about proper tomato planting now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website, where you can read it over at your leisure or your leisure. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you'll always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to topple my tomatoes if I don't get out of the studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse teaming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org for organic. You'll find all of this contact information, answers to all your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and our podcast. It's all at our website, youbetyourgarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Television and Radio in association with Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when a chunk of Uru broke off of Thor's hammer and landed in Pennsylvania uh, because the writers needed something new to do that month. 
Our musical director is Ken Queter. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airwaves is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer, cheerful Charlie Sarah, is safely sequestered somewhere else. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Eric Werner is handling the phone calls from an undisclosed location. Okay, so we're just not sure where he is. Zach the Tack Wisniewski is finally wearing a mask inside the studio instead of just when he visits the 24-hour liquor store in New Jersey. Our fearless leader, Tim Fallon, says, hey, I got a mask and I'll drive. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, asking the boys to pick me up a couple extra bottles of red wine and I'll see you again next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, boy, where's the ball? Where's the ball? Ready? Go get it, boy. That's a good boy. Drop it. Drop it. Good boy. Good boy. Loyal partners. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. Well, those wild, wild, wildwood nights of July are coming to a close, and the dog days of August are crawling out from under the porch. I'm Mike McGrath, and on the next You Bet Your Garden, we will return with all new shows if we can get the crew back on the farm now that they've seen the bright lights at Down the Shore. Plus your skee-ball phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden. Uh-huh.